Hey, Glory here with Successful Marketing Group. As you know, I work with local businesses, and right now, I'd love your help in supporting local Twin Cities restaurants. This month, I'd like to spotlight Day by Day Cafe. They've been a St. Paul institution since 1980. My daughter and I have been going there for almost 20 years. They're family-owned and loved for their scratch kitchen breakfast and magical outdoor patio with koi pond. Oh, and their new wood-fire pizzas are a big hit. Go to my Instagram at SuccessfulBizOwners for more info on them. Welcome back to the latest Cheryl Reeves show. We have one of our favorite guests joining us again today. It's David Berry, professor of economics at Southern Utah, also an author who gets into sports economics, and we will talk about equity as well. A lot to get to in that regard. Thanks so much for joining us, David. Reminder, this is part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. You can listen to, follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. Subscribe anywhere you like. It's a free subscription. You'll just get the shows delivered to you. Thank our sponsors, Successful Marketing Group, Rudy Luther Toyota, Cara Quinn of Vibe Realty, and Bonfi Home Services. All right, let's get into it. Before we get into weightier subjects, let's just start with something fun here. The women's tournament has been a blast. I love, you know, we know what teams are left. There's some great teams left. I really loved watching uh, Iowa State play. I thought they were a blast. But, of course, we have now we have the Paige and Caitlin matchup that I know I was craving. Cheryl, why don't you just start us off by talking about the women's tournament and what has jumped out to you? Well, I think we should let David start by talking how he's doing in his bracket as compared to his Okay, let's do that. Part. And let's so, do that. This is what's this is awesome. So as we know, David is you know takes deep dives analytically into wins produced, et cetera. And so mm-hmm. I asked him, "Are you going to use your analytic models?" And uh, I forget exactly what the answer was, but what I absolutely love is his bracket is a disaster, and his wife does considerably better. Is that right, David? Is that how it goes? Okay, that's that's not quite accurate. <laughs> it's, it's not a disaster. She is doing better than me. I, I do. I would not say that my bracket is a disaster. Um, it is the case that my wife, when she picks, um, she does tend to, to cheat. Um, she always picks the higher seed, typically. Um, she doesn't pick very many upsets. And, and so, so she tends to do well against somebody who really likes picking upsets, and that's me. I, to me, the fun of the tournament is picking an upset and getting it right. Unfortunately, if you pick upsets, you're going to be wrong a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. so you yeah. tend to lose. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so that's what's going on. Yeah, my wife tends to do better than me in, in picking uh, games. And she uh, uh, she does she does watch a lot of basketball. Uh, but when it comes to picking, she tends to stick with the seeds. Yeah, I, I like what's happened in the tournament. I You know, I think we've seen more upsets uh, after day one. You know, there, there began to be um, sort of – I, I think what's going to be the biggest takeaway from the NCAA tournament, there'll, there'll be many storylines, et cetera. But I think, you know, just like we talked about being in the bubble and, and being in a pandemic led to greater uh, TV coverage. And, you know, we discovered some things and how, how we, how we do stuff. Same thing for the NCAA with regard to the women's tournament um, is the, the need for neutral courts. Uh, because what we hear a lot about uh, in the women's tournament is, ah, you don't get the upsets, you know, that you have on mm-hmm. the men's side. Well, one of the reasons is because, you know, we, you know, we, we tie, uh, you know, business components to the tournament, uh, you know, with regard to, you know, if, if it's somebody can be at home and uh, or, or generally in the area, you know, like a regional sort of thing and uh, for, the, for the money, the money part of it. And, and so I think we have to ask ourselves the question. Uh, are we holding ourselves back uh, 
uh, in the women's tournament that, you know, if that is one of those things that people say, well, it's really not all that interesting. Now, I, I do think that the, the people that aren't interested in general probably are never going to be interested and we'll find other reasons once we uh, accommodate such things as uh, maybe going to neutral courts. But I think in general, uh, I like the feel of the women's tournament. So we got to see it because we're in a pandemic and they're in a bubble situation. Uh, I like the way it looks and in, in terms of uh, the neutral floors. And I sure hope that we find a way to keep it and, and understand that the NCA is, is a nonprofit organization and we need to stop acting like it's a business. David. Yeah, that would, that would help. Uh, yeah, that is that the NCAA often forgets that it's a nonprofit organization because it keeps telling us whether it's making money or not. And, uh, and, and, uh, what I keep telling people is, uh, nonprofits by definition don't make a profit. That's, that's in the, it's in the, it's in the label. So whenever, whenever a reporter asks me, you know, do college sports make money? They, they, the Red Cross doesn't make money. It's a charity. It's a nonprofit. Okay. You're not supposed to make money. They spend all the money they take in. That's what they do. Um, there is no one to claim a profit. Uh, and you shouldn't be making decisions with the idea that you would make a profit. Um, and so so you're absolutely right that uh, when you're thinking about uh, what you're trying to accomplish here, you're trying to grow the sport and provide educational opportunities to women. Uh, and that should be your focus. You shouldn't be focusing on uh, whether or not you have a slightly bigger audience here or there. And, and by the way, women's basketball is already a huge audience. It's it's the third biggest college sport. Uh, generates close to a billion dollars in revenue every year. Uh, the television ratings for the women's uh, Final Four are on par with the television ratings for Major League Baseball playoffs, with Wimbledon finals. Uh, this is one of the bigger sporting events of the year. Uh, the NCAA would probably um, – since they do so much to trumpet the men, they should um, spend a little bit of time explaining the success of the women. God, almost a billion in revenue, and they're treated like an afterthought. It's, it's stunning to me. I mean, I work for the one. Uh, I've worked for one of the most successful, biggest newspapers in the country. You know, other than like the Washington Post, the New York Times, which have built-in audiences because they cover national politics, we do really well. We would kill for a fraction of that profitability. Just a fraction of that. I mean, that's the thing. Women's basketball is a it's a financial success and it's still treated this way. And how, how did we get here? <laughs> I love so I was using a Mark Emmert line. Uh, he, he wrote a right. letter and saying, how did we get here? Uh, and, and so it's just so humorous to me. Um, doesn't doesn't show a great deal of uh, uh, understanding of your um, just like self-awareness <laughs> about uh, the ways in which uh, he has failed women through the years. And really, it, you know, he's, he's not been there uh, the entire time of the NCAA. This goes all the way back to the beginning when the NCAA was formed actually uh, uh, for football. Uh, but, you know, we, we have failed women uh, along the way, you know, even with Title IX, uh, such a tremendous legislation. And it, it did change participation in sport, uh, but not a whole lot has changed uh, there are some schools that work hard to be in compliance and really believe in it. And I love when those those places are successful. Uh, I love when when an owner, you know, we talked about this before the uh, in the uh, soccer league, the Portland owner, Merritt Paulson, uh, owns a, uh, a men's soccer team as well as a women's soccer team. And he said, if I'm going to own a women's team, I'm going to treat it exactly like I treat the men. 
uh, and you see uh, the success that comes with that. It seems like it's an obvious thing, uh, but it gets lost on many. Uh, and, and Mark Emmert, you know, just looks silly. How did we get here? Uh, you've marginalized women the entire way. Um, Lynn Holtzman didn't do this. You know, uh, uh, it was it was on, it, it, to me, this falls on, on Mark Emmert. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 exactly right. Um, the thing with Title IX is uh, there are some schools in compliance. Uh, it's 50 years later, most schools are not in compliance. Uh, 57% of undergraduates uh, students are women. Only 44% of athletes are women. Um, there, when you look at the budget allocation to men and women's sports, uh, men get a much bigger budget allocation. And it's not just true for the for the um, top revenue producing men's sports like football and, and basketball. Uh, men get more resources devoted to them for all the sports that they play versus women. Uh, this is one way to illustrate this is we have all of these issues with the women's tournament. Uh, when you think about, you know, obviously the weight room was was the biggest. Ask yourself, how many times have you ever heard um, men at the College World Series in baseball complain about how they're being treated and what kind of weight room they get and what kind of hotels they're staying and what kind of food they're eating? I've never heard that. And women's basketball, college basketball is bigger than men's baseball. Um, And yet we constantly keep coming back to these same kind of conversations. And it's because at the end of the day, Mark Emmert doesn't spend hardly any time at all thinking about women's sports. If you were to pin him down and make him confess, how much time does he spend thinking about men's sports and how much time he spends thinking about women's sports, you're going to discover he became NCAA president because he likes men's sports. That's what he's interested in. And that's what he spends his time thinking about. Um, And so women's sports are totally an afterthought to him. And he only thinks about it when you make him think about it. Um, and so how did we get here? We got here because of neglect. You, you're not trying. That's the issue. Uh, and you've never tried. I hope, this, yes, uh, I hope this episode sounds good. We have four different people in four different places uh, all across the country, including Brandon and Cheryl, different places in Minneapolis. David, of course, in Utah. And I'm in Florida for some uh, spring training work here. So if it's not perfect sounding this week, uh, please forgive us. We do appreciate you listening. We do want to thank Brandon and let you know that uh, – if you would like to advertise on this network, you can reach former Twins executive Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. You heard about uh, Glory Ramsey's successful marketing group before the show started. We'd also like to thank Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. And we'd also like to tell you about VibeMN.com Realtor Cara Quinn, C-A-R-A-Q-U-I-N-N. You can reach her at Cara at VibeMN.com. Uh, it puts out a great newsletter, and I won't go through all the stuff, but she goes into different neighborhoods in Minneapolis and the surrounding areas and tells you how cool they are. She's did a, a, a update on what's going on in the North Loop, which is one of my favorite places in Minneapolis. Uh, also, there's a great testimonial on their website from uh, from Angie saying, working with Cara from Vibe was the best experience I've ever had with an agent. And I'll let, I'll let you read the whole thing. 
again, at her website, but it describes Kara the way we know Kara, which is just a, a good-hearted person who wants the best for you, knows the market. Check her out, Kara Quinn at Vibe Realty. All right, we want to go down. What do you want to talk about next, uh, Cheryl? You want to talk more about the actual hoops or more about the issues surrounding the tournament? Yeah, I, I, you know, one thing I would love to get David's perspective on is this notion of, uh, as we, I, I mentioned this on our last podcast, uh, that ESPN took a, a great leap in terms of their coverage. And we now get to watch full games throughout the entire day, just like we do uh, with the men's tournament. But each time that I that I tune in, I I, I feel uh, ill. I feel sick to my stomach when I look at center court and I see the words women's basketball. Uh, and then when you tune into a men's game, you see this March madness. Uh, and so I wanted to kind of get David's take on this idea of of sort of separating uh, the two entities and one is called women's basketball and the other one is called basketball. And if you see March Madness, it's assumed to be about uh, men's basketball. Wanted to get your take on that, David. Yeah, March Madness is not just assumed to be about men's basketball. Uh, there was a Wall Street Journal article noting that women are not allowed to use that in promoting mm-hmm. the tournament, that they cannot say March Madness. Uh, so that is purely a men's tournament uh, label. Uh, the NCAA has has ruled it that way. Um, and it is the case. And this this is the way uh, we keep thinking about sports is that uh, men are the default. Uh, women are not the default. Uh, it's important to note uh, basketball is invented by James Naismith in, uh, what, 1891. Women started playing basketball a few months after that. So women have been playing basketball from the beginning. Uh, so this is not something that we just just started doing. Um, and women have faced significant barriers in playing basketball, uh, throughout the history of the game. Uh, but it, it is the case that when, when the NCAA promotes this, they, they, they do marginalize the women. And, and it's not just the NCAA. It's, it's, you see this on networks all over the place. Uh, the default is always men's sports is the default and women's sports are always, they add women to it. Uh, one of the more interesting examples of that, that habit of doing that is gymnastics, uh, if you're if you're scrolling through television and you're looking for programming, it'll say women's gymnastics. The very few times they ever show men's gymnastics and men's gymnastics does not have much of a following. It'll just say gymnastics. Yeah. Um, so even when women clearly are the dominant uh, sport of the two, they still make the default men. Uh, it's just they do this over and over and over again. Uh, and. If you're going to say women's basketball, you have to say men's basketball. You have to you have to say it the same. You got to do the same thing. And the fact that you don't do that tells us exactly how you think about women's sports. You think it is second best. You think it is not as good. That's what you think. Exactly. Um, and so that's the problem. And 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 that's the issue we have to fix. Uh, is that men seem to have difficulty understanding this. And and and, and a lot of this 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 also goes back to. Um, this is something that, that, that bothers me the way men think about women's sports is you'll have men when they're evaluating the women as athletes, they compare them to men um, and they'll ask the question, you know, would the women's team beat the men's team? And I've written about this before. That is an irrelevant question. It doesn't make any difference at all whether women can beat men or not be men. It doesn't make, women have beaten men in sports, but whether they do or not is irrelevant. And it, we know it's irrelevant to men because when men are watching sports like boxing, 
and you're watching somebody who weighs 130 pounds fighting another guy who weighs 130 pounds and you got millions of people around the world watching that fight. Not a single man watching that fight is asking the question, I wonder if these 130 pound guys could beat a guy who weighs 250 pounds. I wonder how that would come out. <laughs> they don't say that. Men are perfectly comfortable with the idea that what matters is best in class. That's what matters. It doesn't make a difference whether you're best in absolute terms. And that's why men watch college sports, even though those are not the best athletes. They watch little league sports, again, not the best athletes. They're very comfortable with that. But suddenly when women play, suddenly it's, well, I wonder if those those women could beat men. It's irrelevant. You don't care about that question until women start playing sports. Now you care. That's right. Well, let's talk about the games themselves. Uh, you know, Jim, I, I, uh, I, I shared your enthusiasm. Um, you know, the, the, the Paige Beckers, uh, Caitlin Clark matchup that, that we so wanted. Uh, if, you jo- if you enjoy offense, uh, you'll certainly get a kick out of uh, watching Caitlin Clark, uh, who doesn't get enough credit for how good she is because Paige Beckers gets uh, most of the shine. Uh, but, but the two of them will be front and center. Uh, as much as they don't want it to be that way, and they, you know, they're they're about their respective teams, uh, ESPN's not going to miss a chance to, you know, to really and really NCA that that, uh, that the committee that put this together was certainly looking for uh, this type of exposure for ESPN. There'll be a lot of lot a lot of eyes on on the Iowa UConn game. I'll be down in San Antonio to catch it in person, so I'm pretty excited about that. But uh, uh, overall, I, I've liked, you know, again some of the upsets. Uh, that we've seen, you know, the the, the higher seeds going down. A and M survived, uh, you know, their upset bid. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was it was all but done uh, for the Iowa State uh, Cyclones. And I don't think we should let Iowa State get get through this podcast uh, without mentioning their head coach and his comments that he made. And I know David, <laughs> that that one really got your goat too. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Bill Finley and, and uh, you know, his ability to coach and uh, has wherever he's been highly successful. But it's really problematic uh, when men who coach women uh, don't understand how to advocate for those women. And, and uh, I'll let David share uh, kind of the, you know, his quotes uh, around the, um, you know, the NCAA um, uh, misses, if you will, with regard to uh, you know, what we talked about, the facilities and uh, the food, et cetera. Um, but it, it, so, so if you remember the exact quote, I don't know if you do David, uh, but one part of the quote was, you know, that, you know, essentially that, you know, they're thankful for the NCA that we're even playing, uh, playing these games and they have everything they need. And Oh, by the way, I've never really seen, uh, or, or these women really don't want to lift weights. So what's the big deal? Um, so just, uh, all of it, it was just cringeworthy. And, and I, I just, uh, uh, I, I wish that Bill could take those words back because I, I do think a lot of him as a coach. But at the same time, when, when Gino was asked about women in coaching and he said he didn't think a lot of women wanted to go into coaching, that's why he didn't see a lot of women in coaching. And so men might be coaching women's sports, but they don't know a lot about what's happening with women in sports. Uh, but anyway, I'll let uh, I'll let you, let you guys chime in. Yeah, that's that's the yeah, the quote is. Um... What he said is right now the focus on the women's college tournament is the weight room. I find it ironic because our players don't like to go to the weight room. Um, So they're probably glad there isn't a big one. So in his view, uh, the women who were uh, commenting on this issue were wrong that uh, women don't actually like to lift weights. Uh, He also (laughs) said in his quote, I'm probably in the minority, which is normal for me. Uh, that is a bizarre <laughs> quote for a, from a white male that you're in the minority and that's normal. Um, no, that isn't 
uh, you're not in the minority. Um, men, especially white males, dominate coaching positions. Um, 80% of NBA head coaches are white males. Uh, predominantly, if you look at, at women's sports, uh, it is the case that um, men are more likely to coach women's sports in college uh, than women. And the men who do that tend to be white males. So he's not normally in the minority. He's normally in the majority. And it's odd that he's not self-aware to know that. Um, does he not notice who the coach is on the other side most times? Um, does he pick up on that? Uh, so, you know, to be involved in women's sports and seemingly have no idea about the issues involved, um, that seems rather odd. And, and if I were uh, an announcer calling an Iowa State game in the future and I saw an Iowa State player getting pushed out of the way for a rebound, I might bring up the weight room <laughs> question like every single time. Yeah, maybe maybe the weight room might be helpful there. Maybe that would stop that from happening. Because <laughs> women definitely do lift weights. <laughs> they do. They do indeed. Yes, they do. They do and do. So, Jim, you've watched a lot of the, lot of the women's games. Uh, what are some of your takeaways from the tournament? Uh, the, the shame of the Iowa State's coaches uh, – comments is I loved his team. I loved watching his team Absolutely. play. And, and I'm fascinated that two Iowa team, division one teams have that much talent and that much really, you know, fun talent, fun talent to watch. Uh, A&M, you know, escaped possibly because of a bad call, but you know, they're good. But uh, that was, that was quite a, and I'm really fascinated. Of course, I want to see Paige and Caitlin go against each other and their teams go against each other. Uh, but I'm also fascinated that one of those guards is going to have to go up against a Baylor team that's playing phenomenal. Yeah. Defense. Yeah. 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 That's, that's tough. You know, that next game, you know, it's going to be a lot different. Uh, you know, uh, when, when you play Iowa, you know, I would, I would expect that UConn will, will be able to run their offense. They'll be able to score. That's typically the way with Iowa teams that defense isn't their strong suit. Uh, they'll be adequate, uh, but but they are really superior offensively. I think Lisa Bluter is one of the best offensive coaches we have in the country. Uh, has long been that. Uh, she develops post players really well. Her, she and her staff that have been together for a long, long time. And then Caitlin Clark is just special. Uh, yeah. You know, our uh, you know I I, uh, I I just love her her willingness, uh, her moxie to to shoot the ball at any time. Uh, but she does so much more than that. Uh, her ability to get assists. I mean, she's a she's a new kind of a double double uh, on the scene with you know points and assists. I mean, she's just capable every night because she gets so much attention and uh, she's just a, a willing passer. And then obviously we know Paige uh, and her abilities and and making her teammates better. And uh, you know they chewed up that Syracuse zone. Uh, certainly it helped that they were in the conference and used to play against each other, even though it was not the same players. Um, you know, that staff is well-versed in, in how to beat Syracuse, and uh, they were very, very confident. Kudos to Chris Daly for uh, – it was really cool to see her, you know, uh, kind of along the sidelines running the team. You know, that typically we see Chris Daly sort of seated and calm, cool, collected, uh, not, not doing a whole lot. Uh, I know what she's responsible for, and she does a whole lot. Uh, but in game, it was really cool to see her up and involved and, and, and getting that opportunity, um, you know, it would be a hell of a hell of a head coach for sure. Uh, holding the fort down for for Gino and um, kind of cool that we're getting uh, this this uh, ESPN ticker love. You know, I, I love all the information. And one of the big components to this tournament is uh, Gino Ariema will be back on the sideline uh, for Sweet 16. So <laughs> that, that'll be pretty exciting. <laughs> 
It will be. Hey, we have a couple minutes left in this episode. We will have, continue to have David back whenever he can fit us into his schedule. I love having his insights. A uh, reminder that we want to thank Bonfi Home Services, one of our many sponsors. Again, get a hold of Karen if you'd like to join that list of growing sponsors. And again, best way to listen, subscribe. But you can always find the shows, all the sports shows and the outdoor content at talknorth.com. Uh, so one more segment here. Uh, again, I'm going to leave it to you, Cheryl, to pick a topic if you want to keep talking about, you know, actual basketball or if there's uh, something bigger picture you want to get into right now. Yeah, this is this feels like a player's workout when I, I do all the drills and I tell them what they're going to do. <laughs> and, then I, and then I and I get to this place and I say player's choice. And so I'd like to do uh, a guest choice, David Barry. Uh, you know, I, there's a number of topics that you and I kind of exchange ideas on and uh, one of the things I think you like to talk about, and this could be, I don't want to you know, direct you to your choice, but uh, you know, we talk about the, the, the emotional gender gap or gender emotional gap in pro sports uh, with regard to sports owners and, and the reason why they own teams. Is that something you want to talk about now or you want to save that for I another time? I think that's a good topic. We could talk about that. That's a, you know, I, I was going to point out that putting UConn and Baylor in the same bracket seems uh, uh, a bad, bad yeah. choice. That just seems odd to me. Why would you put those two teams – Seems like well, Baylor, you know, I don't know. Stanford was Stanford was the best overall team this season. I thought they got that right, and and so you know, getting a uh, Stanford Baylor or Stanford UConn, um, you know, potential championship, I think will be pretty darn good. Yeah, but I, I didn't. I, I I don't think. Um, I'm not so sure. I buy the idea of NC State being the. I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and I think Baylor and UConn would have made a better Final Four matchup. But emotional gender gap, I want to talk about that. Uh, so this is something that, 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 that um, they, they – this is a quote from Robert Kraft of the Patriots this past week. They asked him about why he spent so money, much money on free agents. And he says, you know, the, the, what matters is winning. I just want to win. Um, and this is something that bothers me about the discussion of women's sports is – is that so often when they talk about women's sports, they talk about revenue and they talk about profits and they talk about losses. And then when it comes to men's sports, that whole subject goes right out the window. And these owners of men's teams um, will say this over and over and over again. I don't care whether I make money or not. I just want to win. And then when they own women's teams, suddenly it's like, um, I don't think this team's making money. Why do you care about that? You know, you know, the, the size of the women's sports are often so small that the losses are not significant enough that it could possibly bother you. Um, so why do you focus on that? And, and I, I just one of the things I'd like to see happen, and this is gets back at Mark Emmer, you got to be more emotionally involved in your product. You got to You got to care about what's happening. And that's that would solve a lot of problems right there. Yeah, we, we would get uh, substantially further along, you know, much, much quicker. If that were the case, and that is that is something. And how do you create that? I think you and I have talked about that. How do you create the emotional involvement? Uh, we talk about it with fans and how long it takes to be able to, to get there. But how do you think we solve that? Because I think it's huge. I think it's huge in, in, in the WNBA, uh, all women's sports, uh, you know, no matter which sport it is, uh, whether it's college or, or pro and heck, even high school. Uh, how, how do we get that that emotional involvement? I, I think the issue is um, you got to make it that women's sports uh, shows up in in the media more often so that people can hear the stories and relate to the stories. Uh, you got to call out people when they do stuff that they're, you know, when they focus on losses and not focusing on, on the actual contests. We have to call people out on these things. Um, and so it's, it's a lot of it is 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 getting people to focus on women's sports and getting them talking about women's sports. 
that to me is the, is, is the big key. If we can get that to happen, I think we can solve a lot of these problems. But I, I think calling people out on this, I think saying, you know, when, whenever men bring up losses in women's sports, you know, ask them, give them a, a, a long length of quotes from men where you can say, hey, these men lost money at men's sports for years and never seemed to care. Why? Why? Why was that? Tell us. Explain that to me. Um, you know, that's my answer to whenever you bring up losses in women's sports. Tell me yeah. why you didn't care when it was men. Jim, I always love the story you tell about Major League Baseball and how uh, the media is largely responsible for the interest in Major League Baseball. Uh, right. I mean, baseball was a nothing sport. It was a baseball was a fantasy. It was just a and it was a bunch of guys playing in a cow pasture without fences or stadiums. And basically, the sports editors of America, who, by the way, newspapers used to be a driving force of American thought and culture, uh, believe it or not, uh, all the sports editors in, in America, especially in New York, said. You know, we could get behind baseball. We could run box scores. We could, we could, you know, celebrate the the characters and the stars. We really turned this into something, and they did. And baseball became the national pastime in part because of massive media coverage, persistent media coverage. And then owners realized I can sell tickets for a lot of money if we're being, you know, if we're being covered like this. And all of a sudden, every American is waking up every day reading a box score and caring deeply about it. You know, I just. You do need media support. And of course, my industry has failed women in that way for a long time. I hope we're at least starting to change that. And how do we change that, do you think, Jim, to, to move towards being able to create those investments that, that you speak of for Major League Baseball? I really think just continuing to say things out loud all the time, uh, because I do think we've seen progress. And, you know, the more you just say things that are true over and over and make people have to defend themselves. And people do get tired of defending themselves when they're wrong and when they can be proven to be wrong. And, uh, you know, and not that we're anywhere near where we need to be, but I do think, think things have gotten somewhat better. And I think the more, every time women's sports are celebrated or covered, and then we see that there's a reaction and there's an audience. And guess what? Every business person in America knows how to make money off an audience. It, it does start rolling in the right direction. It just It's just way too slow for, you know, it, it's way slower than it should be. It is. And, and, and you look at where our league is, you know, for example, the WNBA is compared to where the NBA was uh, at their, you know, 25th year. Uh, we're actually doing quite well. Uh, as a league, but you know, people don't know their history and, and they don't know those sort of things. But I, I, what I worry about is that you you get you have the the one the instantaneous. You want it to be profitable. We have people at the highest levels of the NBA uh, always talking about uh, WNBA loses money. I never hear them talk about all the losses uh, in the NBA, um, and and so you don't you know we're not talked about in the same way. And so people repeat those things at the highest levels of the NBA. Uh, say and so then what happens is now you get people like Shaq start to say well if you lower the rim and you start dunking we'll watch it we'll be more interested uh, and so that's why I say before we have to you know entertain people like Shaq with the the gimmick stuff of ways to make our our sport more popular in his mind or in the mind of uh, you know however many people would feel that way uh, I'd, I'd prefer that we go the route of doing it as we've done for men's sports. How did we popularize men's yeah. sports? And, and that should be our path. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, and I hope we get to the point. The good thing is th these days we actually have Candace Parker on that show telling Shaq he's an idiot, which is a form <laughs> of progress. <laughs> it's been awesome.
Yeah, I didn't think yeah, I'd ever become a fan of Candace Parker, but that's that's pretty easy to do. <laughs> she's, she's, she's really good on there, though. I tell you uh, what, yeah. we're, we're going to wrap up the show. I want to give David the last segment here. Just David, either respond to what Cheryl's talking about or bring up whatever you want. In a yeah. future episode, I want to have you on and I want to talk straight basketball. I want to get into with Cheryl and David the notion of the volume shooter and whether that person is valuable or not. But for today, let's just uh, wrap up this discussion, David. Oh yeah, we got to do the volume shooter one. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I, I want to just chime in on on and and I and I want you to I want you to tell me the source for your story about baseball history. I want to hear about more about that. But I, I was thinking about this the other day when bask when the NBA was at twenty five years or at thirty years, it, it really did have a tendency similar to the WNBA. But this is something that that you saw in culture at that time. Um, if you remember the movie Airplane. Kareem mm-hmm. Abdul-Jabbar is in the movie playing a character, and then he breaks out a character and confesses who he is. At that point in NBA history, the NBA is not that popular. It doesn't have very big attendance. It's not on national television very often. The audience was expected to know who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was. Um, I would like to get women's sports to a point where you know you get Nafisa Collier or Sue Bird or or any number of of these women in the WNBA showing up in shows and you don't tell the audience who they are you just expect that they know who they are we mm-hmm. want to get to that point that's what should happen because that happened in men's sports very early on that people just expected that you would know who these people are. And I've looked at the historical attendance data and I find it hard to believe that everyone knew who they were. I think the writers of the shows knew who they were, but the audience didn't necessarily know who these people were. That's a great point because, you know, it might actually be the case that more Americans know who Maya Moore is today than knew who uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was back then, but it's not viewed as if there's no assumption made by a white male writer of that. Exactly. Exactly. They they assume that if Maya Moore shows up, that you're going to have to tell the audience who this is because the white male writing is going, well, I don't I'm not sure I know who that is because I don't follow women's basketball. And 50, 60 years ago, when men's the NBA was drawing six, seven thousand fans a game and they were not very popular, but among white males, they were more popular. The white males were saying, well, I know who cream is. You know, I know who Oscar Robertson is. I know who Dr. J is. So therefore, I assume you know who they are. It's like, well, Dr. J in the ABA was playing before three, four thousand fans. Are you mm-hmm. telling people who that person was? I mean, I'm sorry. They didn't know who that was. Um, and, and you know, in, in retrospect, we know. I mean, we have all this history now. We know now. But back at the time, I'm sorry. I find that hard to believe that people, if they knew, they certainly weren't interested enough to go to the games to see him. That's so true. Well, as as is the case, every time we have David on, I want to do a four hour show, but I actually have to go to a stupid ballpark here and uh, cover games that don't matter. Uh, so we're going to leave that here for right now. We will have David on again because I love having him on. Thank you so much for making the time as always, David. Thanks to Cheryl. Thank you to Brandon. Thank you to everyone who's listening to TalkNorth.com. And we'll talk to you next week and be talking more NCAA hoops and probably more about the games eventually. If your furnace or boiler isn't keeping up with cold weather, call Bonfee. They have regular rates from 7 in the morning to 10 at night. There is always a live person to take your call 24-7. Bonfee technicians are trained and certified. Their trucks are stocked with parts so they can get your heating system up and running again quickly and right. If your furnace and boiler is on its last leg and needs to be replaced, Bonfee can install a new one for you. Installations can happen as soon as the same day. 
Bonfia is a family-owned and operated business, been in business since 1993, licensed, bonded, insured. Any equipment Bonfia installs comes with a lifetime warranty. You'll never have to worry about your heating system again for as long as you live in the home. If your heating system needs service or needs to be replaced, better call Bonfi. Save $200 off a new furnace or boiler installation when you tell the folks at Bonfi you heard about it from John Krasinski.